Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So the first scripture that I'd like to share is Proverbs 19.21. It says, Many are the plans in minds of men, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we have all kinds of ideas. Everyone's got their own ideas. Everyone has their own plans on how things should work, how things should go in your life. And we start to pray and believe these things. And if we stumble a little bit and say, okay, well, maybe this is, maybe God wants this, maybe God wants that. You can find comfort in the fact that the will of God will always prevail. God is like a moving river that does not stop. And the key thing is not to redirect the river of God, but for us to jump into the river of God. So in order for us to have a successful prayer life, we have to be able to alter our spiritual environment, not bend God the way we want him to, but to alter our environments that we are in. So to know the will of God, we have to understand what is it and what was God's original purpose. So follow me back to Genesis chapter 126. I've got three scriptures here that help paint a picture of what God's plan is for us from the very beginning. And it's never changed. We've just gotten off course. Genesis 126 said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animal on earth, and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. We are to reign over all life on earth. And it said that God would walk in the cools of the evenings with Adam. He was living there in the Garden of Eden. It was a perfect example of heaven resting on earth. Now, the words we use in this translation is reign over, but in another translation says, let them have dominion to rule, to dominate. This is where we get the word kingdom. It's a king's domain. And the word king itself is really a simple word that just means like a ruler or something that measures, has a standard. And that king has that standard and makes sure that standard is kept through all the land. Now the problem, as we know, we did not go very well in the Garden of Eden because we changed, we gave away God's standard of living for our own standard by disobedience. But God has ever since been bringing us back. Now we fast forward to Exodus. We're talking about the tabernacle. God tells them, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle as the furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. The key thing is here, he wants to live among them. He lived with them in Eden. He just wants to live with them again and have his will in their life. Now the tabernacle was a reflection of heaven. What, what was going on in heaven was coming on earth. It was a replica of Eden inside the tabernacle, the way God's presence was there on earth. But more importantly for us, it was a foreshadowing of a plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. Now in Hebrews, it says the old system of the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. But if you had God there, in the, you could see this, the, the cloud of God, the pillar of fire at night, and the cloud, 
you had God visibly right in front of you what could be better we go to my last scripture here John chapter 1 verse 14 so the word became human and made his home among us he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory just like they saw the glory of the cloud and the fire and all the things they did he did for them he saw the glory of Jesus the father's one and only son so in Exodus thousands of years earlier he said build a sanctuary so I can live among them in Eden he lived among them and they come to find out Jesus came to earth to make his home among us it makes me think of my when I'm out at work and I got babies at home and you just want to be at home with them you just want to live with them as long as you can and we cry and we're upset when they move away one day from home and they're not with you God has missed us ever since so at this moment we just want to invite the presence of God if you'll pray with me as we invite God back into the original plan that the entire time God was just wanting to recreate the environment of heaven here on earth to be besides his children one big royal family ruling together let's get back to the original plan and join me in prayer Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you for the revelation and the enlightenment, God, that you have given us through your Holy Spirit that we can see the fullness of God. We thank you, Lord. We ask you to bring us back to your original plan that you can make you the center of everything we have where you can live among us and you can live inside your new temple, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Thank you, musicians. Tonight's message is called Altering Spiritual Environments. In order for us to alter or change our environments, we have to look to God and how he reveals his truth through to us through his word. Whether it be the written, the spoken, or Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit will reveal these things to us about heavenly things if we can understand the principles and systems here on earth. The tabernacle is one of those things that shows us a reflection of heaven. Always keep that in mind. For years, when I was younger, never knew that. When I heard it was supposed to be a replica of Eden, I'm like, wait a minute, there's more to it than I understood. Let me go back and see what this is. And it really spoke to me. So a lot of these points, we're going to go through the tabernacle, things that really spoke to me, who someone who has been in church for a long time since I was younger and missing some of these vital parts that definitely could have helped me out in the long run. John chapter 3, verse 12, straight from Jesus himself, he says, but if you don't believe me when I tell you about these earthly things, how can you possibly believe when I tell you about heavenly things? Everything on earth has a principle and it has a theme to it, and it's all God's world. We can't create anything God hasn't created already. The enemy can't create anything that God hasn't created already. We are meant to cultivate it. We are meant to make things better, and the enemy goes and just tries to perverse everything else. So it's a constant battle of fighting over what God has created and what God's plan is for us, and thank 
Jesus and thank the Holy Spirit that we have the greater power inside of us that we can overcome with just a spoken word and to be able to take back what God originally put for good and keep it good. So, the pastors have done an amazing job the last couple of weeks going over the tabernacle, but if you want to be able to change your spiritual environments or alter them, there's parts of those we're going to go over real quick and a quick recap of the different parts of the tabernacle to point out because you can't skip ahead. You can't skip a lap in a race and run to the finish line. You've got to start in the beginning at the gates, at the, the altar, and go from there. So our first slide, I really like this picture. It is the image of the tabernacle. It's a very far, we're going to zoom in, don't worry. It's very far away, but what you can see in this picture is a very small portion of Israelites living around the tabernacle. Mind you, there were millions there. Now you can see the physical, you can see obviously the incense was inside, but the, the physical manifestation of God in the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. People live around the tabernacle. God designed it to live in the middle of them. Now we'll zoom in a little bit on our second slide here. So we can see the front gates. Now we talked, Pastor Bobby mentioned this on the gates, to enter the gates with thanksgiving. And a lot of times my kids in the kids' department, they don't really know what that means. And I have to clarify because I see their brains, their wheels turning. I go, it is not a Thanksgiving dinner. It is not a turkey dinner. And I've had some kids like, oh, okay, I always thought it was turkey. Like I always thought, you know, something was going on here. And you never know what kids will think. So always clarify with them because their wheels are turning, but they're not going to tell you what they think. But you have to sometimes explain it. Sometimes we're the same way. Sometimes I'm the same way. Oh, I've always thought this. But then the word will be able to reveal something different. So always take a second glance at it. Now, one thing that will hinder you, hinders a lot of people from changing your spiritual realm is depression and anxiety. Anxiety, I never had anxiety until I had my first daughter. Being a parent is the most wonderful thing you can be, but it's also the most terrifying. And I've probably said this on stage before because it's really my life every day. I get terrified. I have to constantly go back to prayer and say, God, I'm not going to be home. Take care of my children. Watch my children when I'm not there. Protect them. My wife does the same things. And I'm just watch over baby fox because he's a little tornado right now. And he climbs over everything. Okay? So Thanksgiving, being thankful overpowers your anxiety. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. There will be a point in time where, like, I don't know why I'm calm right now. I should be frantic, but I feel a peace. That is God stepping in the way telling you, I've got this. I'm in control. We're going to talk about how we're going to let God control, but just know when you feel that, you know he is working. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The key thing is as you live in Christ Jesus, you crucify your flesh and you always live with Jesus. Therefore, he can be able to move. And if you're always thankful for everything, not a lot of things are going to bother you. If you're thankful for running water when the hot water goes out, you're like, ah, oh, it's okay, I'll fix it. It's not a big deal, okay? Anger and anxiety go hand in hand. 
and I felt sometimes people get so angry about things. Sometimes you have to ask them, what are you, what are you worried about? What anxiety is messing with you? That way you're getting so upset about something that can be easily be fixed. And if you have God in that spot, and you have God, you've got it. Thankful for just being alive. Thank you for what you have given me. Like what I pray for as a parent, thank you for my children. They are a blessing from you. Thank you for the time that I have with them. All of a sudden, the anxiety of worrying about something happened to my kids goes away. And say, so they are your children, not mine. And you will take care of your servants. And as a parent, and as a child, I, my heart goes out to young kids. Any, anytime I hear a story about a young child or the praise report about a four-year-old having brain surgery, my heart just breaks because I know how that feels as a parent to have your child go through surgery. At Anyway, you are out of the room. You are not in control at that point. You've got the hands of the doctors and the spirit of the Lord. And you to talk about fasting and praying. My heart goes out to that. And I stop any time I'm doing something. I hear something like that. I start praying immediately because they're so innocent and they're so pure at heart. I just want to protect them as much as possible. We'll go back to the tabernacle. This is a closer up version. And imagine seeing this every day when you wake up. You automatically see the presence of God. And you wonder why the Israelites always fell astray. And then I like to, you know, I like to cast judgment on like, oh, they saw all these things and they still messed up. But yet I see the things in my life and I still make mistakes. And it's like, okay, I get it. I'm not going to be so hard on them anymore because I understand I'm in the same position. Now imagine seeing the glory of God, and it's in the scripture we read earlier, so this was just a shadow. This wasn't the good things. Seeing God in physical form, that wasn't the good things. What could be better? As we know, Jesus coming to earth and completely wiping out our sin, our transgression, the things that would separate us from our Heavenly Father, that was the good things to come. Can we see the glory of God now? The answer is yes. The fruits of the Spirit alone if you have somebody who has a hard heart, and I have a lot of friends, they were just like me when I was younger, hard heart, didn't care about anything, and when you start to see yourself change, you're like, okay, well, I understand, but you start seeing your friends around you change, you're like, something's happening, something's softening that heart. Because when you see the fruits of the Spirit, I'll go into more detail in a little bit, you know it has to be God because humans alone are not going to fix those problems. You know it's the work of the Holy Spirit. So, I want to go step-by-step step real quick through the altar. Uh, you can see it from here. We're going to go to the next slide. It's the brazen altar. And some of y'all have never, never seen these pictures, so I want to kind of show these in details where they might look in real life. Because as I would read the scriptures younger, I would never know what these things look like. I just didn't look. I was, okay, it's like a giant barbecue pit. I wasn't sure exactly how these looked. So it's great to see them in person. And, of course, I'm a kid's minister, right? So I'm always showing pictures, images, building out of clay, doing something crazy, right? So the tabernacle was designed by God and built to change the physical environment for the Israelites. Before the tabernacle and the covenant God made with them, they were kept in bondage as slaves in Egypt. God freed them from bondage as he has freed us from sin and has made a system that would, they could experience freedom not only just physically, but also spiritually as well. And it was a pattern to be replicated, something that was already, the original pattern was how heaven was made. 
and then Eden was patterned after that, and the tabernacle was patterned after that, and then we have the temple, and we're going to continue going on with that. God had a plan from the very beginning, and he always had our best in mind. So when you get to this altar, this is the part where a lot of people stumble. This is the first thing you get into the gates. Now you come into the gates with thanksgiving, but there's already been a sacrifice made for you. And the key thing is to leave it at the altar. Let it burn up with everything else, the shame, the guilt, the sin, the mistakes. Because there's too many times I've been hit and kicked on the ground to say, hey, you really shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be in charge of kids. You shouldn't be on the stage because this is where you came from. Too many times I start to think, well, I guess they're kind of right. You know, it's kind of Kevin idea. And the thing is, Jesus said, I did not die on the cross for no reason. I did not spill all that blood and those sacrifices for no reason. It is burnt up. There's a reason why it's the altar of burnt offerings. And those, that altar, they would burn it to a crisp till there was nothing left. Because sin is nothing left once Jesus' sacrifice has been there for you. So we can be a new creation. Definitely give God a round of applause for that because that's, that's the huge one. That's the big one. We'll move on to the next piece of furniture. It's the laver. The wash basin in which the priests would wash their hands and feet before going into the holy place. The cool thing about this that I didn't want to pass up is the bronze was a special bronze. It was a reflective bronze that was given, already reflective, when it was donated to the temple. Also with the water that was reflective. Now we know this to be baptism. We also know this through in Ephesians it talks about that the washing of the word makes the bride of Christ clean. And so there's no way, if you're going to wash, you have to see where the, where the dirt's at, where the soap's at, and you have to wash. But if you don't, it's like looking in a mirror. If you look in a mirror, if you never look in a mirror before you leave the house, you'll never know how you looked. You'll never know if your hair is a mess, you brush your teeth, you forget things like that. Half of us, for sure, would never walk out of the house to go to an important business meeting or to our job, our business we own, to church, without checking how we look first, okay? But if you never, imagine cutting your own hair. That's already hard enough. Imagine never looking in a mirror trying to do it yourself. It would never look good. According to God, that mirror through the word of God, it shows us our reflection on how we look in the eyes of God and where we can um, make things better to be able to be presentable to God. And so every time they would wash their hands, they would see the reflection, a reminder of how they look to God before going into the holy place. Now, next slide. We're going to go back to slide with a tabernacle looking again. Now, we have covered a lot of ground to get here, to the holy place. But everything was needed before we enter. You had to accept the sacrifice and understand Jesus' blood that saves us from our sins. You have to enter in and be thankful to understand what God has done for you to ever appreciate what's in the holy place. You have to be washed you know, through baptism and through the washing of the word that helps keep us clean so we are purely acceptable through Jesus. And you cannot just jump through the holy place into the holy of holies either. Those who did that back in the day didn't get their prayers answered faster. They died. There was no more after that. Now, we can go boldly before the throne. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus lovingly takes us back to the start of this process and begins to clean us and tell us exactly what he's done for us so we can be thankful, we can accept the sacrifice, we can wash clean to be ready for what God has for us. 
I love my daughters to death, but if I gave them a, a key to a brand new truck, it's valuable to me, and I want them to have it, but they don't understand how to use it. Even if they did use it, they would wreck it and not understand what's going on with it. So you can't jump to the holy holies until you understand what Jesus has done for us. So if you're taking notes, here's what we recap real quick. Number one, understand God's original plan for us. That is the tabernacle and the Garden of Eden replicating pattern for us in our lives. Number two, we allowed God, allow God to free you from sin. Don't go back to the sinful life. Don't go back to the way things were because you're not sure what to do and it makes you feel better. Do not go back because then you're just backtracking. You never get to the holy place. The next one is going to be enter his courts with thanksgiving and sacrifice as well as God's overwhelming love for us that he has put up with us for so long. And he still wants to be with us. He still wants to live with us. And so we want to be thankful for that. And lastly, we went to the laver, which we have seen the reflection of ourselves against the word of God. So take a snapshot of that. That's what we did so far. Now it's the moment we've all been waiting for, changing spiritual environments, entering the atmosphere of God, God's holy place. But before we move on, unfortunately, this is where I stopped for many years of my life. I'd like to take a few minutes to share my personal testimony with God because I feel like it was a long one. And I feel like there's a lot of people like me who have gone through the same thing. So I've been going to church for a very long time, since I was probably nine years old. And I understood salvation, baptism. I asked God to live in my heart at a young age. I got baptized when I was younger. I got baptized again after I was, uh, we had gotten married and wanted to make like an adult decision. So we did it again just to make sure. We went to church, we became, but I became kind of complacent spiritually. Now the church we went to did talk about the Holy Spirit, but whenever it was talked about, it was tiptoe on eggshells. You can't make a mistake because you offend the Holy Spirit. You can't do this because then you'll offend him and he won't come back for a long time. Don't miss your chance because you won't see him again for a long time. You could be years without seeing it. And then someone would speak in tongues and you would be corrected, like, is that, that's, you need to work on that. That's not exactly tongues. Or someone would try to interpret, hey, that's not the interpretation in front of everybody. It would just be real on edge. So you know what I did? I shut my mouth and I didn't say anything. I wasn't about to offend the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to be, look like a fool in front of everybody else. So I just stopped. I would pray, didn't get it, okay, I'm done. And I'm, I would try it real quick. You didn't give it to me, God. I, at that moment, I said, God, if you really want me to have it, then you'll give it to me. You'll force it out, and I'm not going to worry about it. So it wasn't for years later until I understood the actual kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit's role in it. Because at first, I just thought it was extra power. Extra, okay, it's good, but salvation's enough. So if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Man, was I missing the whole shebang. I missed everything else with it because... Jesus did die for our, our salvation, but he had to leave again to send us the Holy Spirit to bring us back to where we were in Eden, where the Holy Spirit was with us from the very beginning, and we gave that up when we did disobedience. But the entire time, God was trying to bring the Holy Spirit back to us. It took thousands of years and many different options. It took Israelites, I don't know how many times to get it right, temple, the tabernacle moving for 40 years, 
There was a reason why the elders didn't go to the promised land because they were carrying on older things. Then he had to help with the temple, and then the temple went. And then he reestablished Israel, and he brought Jesus the Messiah, and they still didn't accept him. And he said, it doesn't matter because I'm still spinning the spirit back. Where God's word will still prevail. Even if our plans don't work, they rejected Jesus. They didn't. They, they brought false idols into the temple. They messed up every way possible. But in the very first verse we read, it said that Jesus, God's plans will, not, will always prevail. They will never fail. So the Holy Spirit is now back on earth, and now we're like, oh, yeah, I guess if he gives it to me, he gives it to me. And that's where I was at. I missed the power of God. I missed the whole, I can't even describe the words that, to understand what I feel like I'm missing. It's like going through Christmas, and you never got any presents. And you wake up the next day, you're like, I didn't get anything. But you enjoyed Christmas, but you didn't get anything. There's so much more there, or birthday, or whatever else, to be there. So finally I started revisiting. Once I understood what the Holy Spirit was and everything else that God said, I want you to have dominion over the earth again, but with that Holy Spirit is when it's going to help you. Because Jesus was perfect, we're not perfect. We make mistakes, but through the Holy Spirit, that's whenever we can actually become like Jesus to help edify us and to help grow the fruits of the Spirit through our lives. Now, I knew I had the fruits of the Spirit because I wasn't the same I was before. Jesus' blood definitely forgave me my sins and started to work on me, and I saw the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says once you believe, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So I knew I had the Holy Spirit, but at the end, the Holy Spirit didn't have all of me. I wasn't able to let go of every aspect of my life. I had anxiety. I had trust issues. I didn't want to offend the Holy Spirit. I was going to make God make me do this. If you want me to do this, make me speak in tongues. Do this, but I would give him no time to work on me. So through studying prayer from pastors and, and people in the church just ch helped me understand exactly what the Holy Spirit was, why we needed it, and its part. Then I started to work on me. A lot of people just need the knowledge, and boom, it's done. They've got it. But with me, it was like, okay, I got the knowledge, uh, but I still don't want to let go. I still don't want to hold on to it. So I began to just have a, like a, a swelling in my spirit every once in a while. And what I would do, just suppress it. Like, okay, I feel God, that's good. Okay, I feel that he's there. I'm done. But never got to release it until finally I was like, you know what, God, I've tried everything else. I want your power. I know that's the next step. I cannot break these boundaries. I cannot raise a family without the Holy Spirit's help. Because an atheist can read the Bible and just get information. A scientist can get chemistry out of the Bible. You can tell your kids all you want to, but until they see the power of God in your life, it's hit or miss if they're going to hold on to the faith. And say, I cannot hold on to my children and trust when they, right now they believe every word I say, for the most part. Okay, But when they get older, I only have a short window for them. They're going to start doubting it. And the only way you, you can throw the Bible at them, you quote scripture them every day, but until they see the power move through your family, they see drug addiction in your family get saved. They see people in their family who have depression and don't like to be around the family. All of a sudden, they're changed. They see that. They see you changing. They see your marriage between you and your, your husband and your wife. They see those things in your life, and they say, I remember seeing that. Something's real. You can't tell me it's not because I lived through it, and I saw it. So after having children and softening my heart and really working with it, 
finally I was, you know, God, I'm just going to open my mouth and start praising to whatever comes out, comes out. And I just start offering syllables. So I was, you know, I'm tired of holding it back. And all of a sudden, boom, sweet release. And I was like, am I doing this right now? Is this happening? But done, going out. And it wasn't, it wasn't huge, dynamic, jump on the floors, throwing things around. It was a swelling and sweet release. And immediately in my Pentecostal background, I'm like, was that the Holy Spirit? Because I wasn't jumping around and throwing fans and doing everything else. I started to doubt myself. Quickly, God was able to tell me, there's no way that all these things in your hap- happen in your life without me being there with the Holy Spirit. So, now, we'll go to the next slide, the holy place. There's three pieces of furniture in there. We've already gone really deep in depth, and there's so much in there, it would take a couple of hours to go over exactly what those pieces are. So we're going to briefly go over Inside the holy place, it's very, I know this picture is kind of dark, but I like it. Because it shows that there was no sun allowed into the tabernacle. The only light was the light of God from the actual menorah. And it, it's, a, it's a number one that spoke to me years ago. You can't do God's work without God. You cannot do, him with, you do his work without his Holy Spirit lighting you, leading you with your wisdom. Because when you deal with the spiritual realm and you don't have spiritual weapons, you're going with a knife in a gunfight. It's not going to happen. Only select things were allowed in the holy place. As you can see, there's not much there. If our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and we are to be living stones, building together a spiritual temple of God, we have to be careful what is allowed in our lives. When it comes to raising your family, even your personal self, the music you listen to does matter. The music your children listen to does matter. What you allow on your screens matter. How you spend your time matters. Now, I'm not going to go through a list on what I think is right or wrong. That is not my place. But do not tolerate evil in any form. And I'm not saying everything's evil. I'm not saying, hey, that's the devil, that's the devil, that's the devil. That's not where we're going. But at the same time, not everything is also productive. Use spiritual discernment through prayer when allowing things into your life and to your family's life. It will benefit with your children in the end. Now we'll go to the menorah, the only source of light. We already talked about not being able to do God's work without the light and the anointing. The key thing here is it has to be renewed every day. The priest had to go in there and pour oil. And they poured, I want to say the Bible says like a half a log of oil, which I don't know how much that is. But supposedly it was able to burn through the coldest night of the year. It was enough to last to the next day, no matter what happened. So they didn't pour less during spring and summer and put more in winter because they needed it, they poured enough to last the coldest of days and the longest of nights. That way it was good for the entire day and renewed the next day. The wicks had to be replaced. It had to be tended to. It wasn't a light it and forget it. It was tending it every single day to a pure, clean, light fire to show wisdom for everyone else. Now, like I said, it's not a one-and-done thing, and this is going to tie very closely into the altar of incense. So we're going to go over to our next slide, the altar of incense. Smaller than the other pieces of furniture, but the one piece of furniture that's right in front of the veil of the Holy of Holies. We'll go to a scripture, Revelation 8.4. 
The smoke of the incense, mixed with the prayers of God's holy people, ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. And we can go back to that if we haven't already. Our prayers and worship are like sweet-smelling incense to God. We've heard that from King David in the Psalms. The word itself means to petition. To petition God is not just acting like a genie in a bottle wishing for things. But a petition sometimes can be a blessing, asking God to bless you on his behalf. But it's not always blessing. Sometimes you have to make a decree through the Spirit. Sometimes you have to set spiritual boundaries in your life in the spirit realm, what you accept and what you don't accept. What we don't accept, obviously, is sickness. We don't accept sickness. We don't accept drunkenness. We don't accept these, these things that help hinder us from the spirit of God, and we make decrees, and we cast those things out of our lives because a lot of these things are our spiritual realm. Now, remember, you are a spirit in a human body. You have to understand you're not just a human that wants to experience a spiritual awakening, okay? You already are a spirit, and we've been cutting off that part of time from us for so long. So we have to be active in the spirit. We have to change our spiritual environment. Now, in the past, there was a high priest. We know that Jesus is our high priest. We don't have the veil anymore to separate us from God because we have access straight to the throne of Jesus. We lift our prayers up to Jesus, and he is able to do the work for us. He intercedes for us on our behalf for God. But you have to be specific when you pray. You can't just pray for blessings and hope God takes care of the rest. Remember, God has given us dominion over the earth. We have to say so. We, we like to say free will because we don't like to say God can't do something. It's not that God can't. God chooses not to. God won't. There's a, there's a popular a, uh, a saying that says, without, without God, man can't. But without God, without man, God won't. Because God has given us the authority. God has given us authority in the beginning, even though we gave it up. God has re-given us the authority through Jesus and sent us out for the Great Commission. And through that new authority, we have access. He goes, whatever you bind, it will be bound. Whatever you loose, it will loose. So you're praying sometimes, God, take care of the situation. Do it. He goes, you have the authority. Take care of it yourself. I've already given you the power. Why do I need to get involved when you have the power already? I've already given it to you. Remember, he went through way too much for us not to use the benefits that he gave us. When you're specific in your prayers, you have to specifically ask God about your ministry, your calling, what you have to do in God's house because God has given you uh, your likes, your dislikes, your talents. Everything is for the, the glory of God and what he wants you to do. If you enjoy, you know, if you heart for children, you enjoy helping children, then you should be in children. If you don't, then that's probably not your calling, okay? If you like to be organized, then maybe you organize some from the church. Be specific and have God reveal to you the talents and things that you do like and you are good at, and sometimes God will stretch you in something you're not used to, especially to teach you a lesson that not, might need to be taught. But that's not the only thing you be specific for. Be specific for your family, every single family member. Pray for them. Pray for their spouses. Pray for their future. Lift those spirits up to God. Pray without ceasing because you're petitioning God to work on your behalf on every little instance. Now, his mercies are good every morning. So that means we have to rekindle every single morning. It's not a do it on Sunday, be good the rest of the week. Every day be specific with God to move in your life where you need him to move, and you will see him, God, show up. 
Remember, God's the river. You can't bend the river to your will. You jump in the river. You get indulged. And then you can be able to present things to God to be flowed through there. Worship is not, we've always heard this. Everyone's probably heard this in the room. Worship is not only singing songs. Worship is how we live our lives. Okay? But we have to reflect and remember that every day, am I, what am I doing? Is it worship? If it is worship, is it worshiping God or worshiping something else? That's a real question we have to ask ourselves when we get stuck doing the same old things every day, go to work, go home, do this. And maybe there's things in our lives we don't realize we're doing that could be hindering us from the God spirit, spirit of God moving. Now, staying consistent is key. They had to do this every single day. So even though you see God moving in your life, you can never forget, number one, that that fire from the incense, that fire from the menorah came originally from God. Man did not make that fire. The original one came from when they did everything God asked. Key. They did everything when they said everything was done. It was consecrated. It was prayed over. The blood was sprinkled. Then God answered by fire and lit the fire. He said, this fire should never go out. So if you ever think, oh, look at all these good things I've done. I've raised a great family. I'm such a good father. I make sure all my kids are successful. That means I'm a good parent. Remember that fire. You did not make that fire. God started that fire. God gave you those children. God was able to move there. Give him thanks for everything. I always remember Nebuchadnezzar. He said, look at all I've done. And he spent like seven years as a wild beast in the grass. That terrified me as a, as a child, okay? So you don't want to be too, too overconfident in what you did. Remember, the fire came from God and everything else from it. Now, to change your environment, you have to change your own life first before allowing the Spirit to anoint and shine to others. So, again, back to parents. When you're parenting a child and it doesn't seem to be going well. You have a teenager that is not responsive, okay? You have to make sure that you're not throwing the Bible and throwing stuff what they need to do and make sure you have the spirit inside of you that you are constantly edifying yourself and showing them how God works because they cannot deny a witness. They cannot, die and ex cannot deny an example that they see. Say, hey, they're telling me these things, but they're not doing these things. And they'll just cut you off. But if they see you say, hey, they're telling me these things, I feel bad about doing it because I see mom and dad praying every day. I see them giving to the poor, helping the needy, going to church, cleaning the parking lot. I see those things. So I'm like, you know what? I should probably be a part of it too. The last image here is a table of showbread. Now, honestly, I never understood as much the bread as I do now. But number one, what I've learned from Pastor Bobby, is that bread is a symbol of answered prayers. That everything that happened in the tabernacle was a full circle. That the light of God showed you what to do. You offered up presence up to God, the, the sense up to God, and therefore he acted on your behalf, and then he blessed you. And the bread is the result. So if you're ever praying at the incense, all you had to do is look to the right and remember, hey, that's a blessing. Everything that had to go into that bread was orchestrated by God. The seed, they were in the desert. A lot of this stuff was hard to do. They moved constantly. The seed had to be produced. You had to be able to plant it. It had to be protected from the weather, from the worms, and from the, the insects to be able to eat it, from, from neighboring enemies coming and taking it. And then you had to make sure the plant actually gave full fruit. And then you had to use that fruit and you had to dry it. And then you had to 
put it into flour. Then you had to keep it dry. There's so many steps that had to be done. Like, oh, I just see bread. Thanks, God, for the bread. God's like, you have no idea everything that had to happen to make that bread possible. And that's why bread is a perfect example. And I say, hey, God, I appreciate it. He's like, think of all the steps that had to be done to be able to help you on that. That bread is also a perfect symbol of God's communion with us. When we eat with someone, it is a, a, uh, an agreement with someone. You sit down with them, you eat with them, you commune with them. God said, here's the wine, here's the bread. And obviously Jesus said, I am the bread, I am the blood, and everyone who eats me will live forever. That is Jesus himself communing with humans in the physical, showing us an eternal life. Now, I said all that to say... That from our beginning scriptures, knowing that God has already given you dominion, we like to say um, free will. God has given you free will to make a choice for him to move. So with my closing, I don't have my piano player. Thank you very much. Last time I forgot to call him. With the God is waiting. With my conclusion, God is waiting on you. I'm going to say this right because I can't see the screen. God is waiting on you to move so he can move. He has given you every authority you need. He's given you every possible chance. He's waiting on you to say, God, I give this back to you. God, this, this, this one is, is too overwhelming. I can't handle this. Uh, my kids are out of control. I'm having to help them. My job is going berserk. Lord, I want to give this back to you to help out because God said I give you full dominion you can do what you need to do but I'm here to help you I want to live among you I want to live with you let me help you let me bless you let me work through you and the only thing standing in the way is going to be ourselves so if you can believe with me you can stand to your feet because Jesus has already given the authority over evil in the world we just have to surrender to King Jesus let the Holy Spirit take over. And if you agree, just lift your hands with me in worship. And let's invite the Holy Spirit to take back control. Give back to God what is His. And let Him fully take control of our lives. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.